This is Beta Cell, a show about people living with type 1 diabetes. I'm Craig Steubing. Exercising with type 1 diabetes is hard. You have to balance your insulin and food in just the right way to make sure that on one hand, your blood sugar doesn't go low and you risk passing out. And on the other hand, make sure you have enough insulin so that you don't start spilling ketones, the acid that forms when your body breaks down fat for energy when you don't have enough insulin in you. But I've learned that these are the sorts of challenges that Georgie faces head on. I'm not sure when I first met Georgie. The oldest evidence is a photo from back in July 2016, where she went on a run with me and some other members of Type 1 Run in Santa Monica, California. After that, we were on a Ragnar relay team in 2017, and both participated in the Wildflower Triathlon in 2018. Lately, she and I have been going on long bike rides together as she trains for her latest century bike ride for JDRF. How long have you been biking? Is it a recent passion? So I did my, or attempted to do my first century bike ride. (laughs) (laughs) Attempted is the key word in 2007. And I think I did maybe 50 miles, not even. It was a really, really hard one. And then I took a year off and then tried another one and then took another two years off. And then like 2012 was when I really kind of like up the ante with the bike riding and went in full force. And even though I've been doing it since 2012, I still don't feel like I'm like a real cyclist, but I feel like um, I've gotten better. And when I go on these century bike rides, I'm impressed with myself that I pass people a lot because when I'm training the people who I'm training with, I do not pass. (laughs) (laughs) So the first time you did it, do you just feel like you only got 50 miles because you just didn't, train hard enough you just didn't know what to do I knew nothing the first time I attempted a century like literally nothing I was living in New York it was a JDRF ride in Sonoma Um, they don't do that ride anymore but it was super hilly a friend of mine from New York did it with me a bunch of people I knew from the New York JDRF ride team were there I just had no idea what I was in for I was like oh I'm athletic and I've ridden my bike around New York a bunch I mean totally flat you know I was just so 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 clueless I was riding not even a road bike it was a hybrid I was I wasn't disappointed in myself because I don't think that I really had any expectations but I saw all these other people doing it and I was like well like I could try this again and maybe next time I could actually do it. So why did you want to do the bike ride initially? Because um, the century is a big commitment. Yeah, I just had no idea. I just <laughs> I don't think I really understood what it meant. And I'm not sure that I even knew, for those of you who don't know, a century bike ride is 100 miles. Um, but I had actually started a support group for young adults. This was when I was a young adult, for young adults with type 1 diabetes in New York. And um, somebody who was in that group was also active in um, the New York ride group for JDRF. And so he came to the group and he spoke about the ride and he just made it sound really fun and exciting. And so, you know, I just, I like a challenge. I thought it was something I should try. Did you grow up in New York? I did, born and raised in Brooklyn. So you were diagnosed at age 11. Correct. What was that like in New York? 
when I was diagnosed, I was 11, it was January, and that summer, um, so maybe like five, six months later, I went to diabetes camp. And that was really, really incredible. First of all, I love camp. I am a camp person. I think it's like an East Coast Jewish thing. Um, Did you go to camp before you had type 1? So before I had type 1, I went to um, a day camp in Long Island for a really long time. And I had always thought that when I reached a certain age, I would go to sleepaway camp. Sleepaway camp was a very big thing in my family. Um, My mom and my aunt went. All their cousins went. Our uncle worked at a camp. Uh, My mom took my dad to sleepaway camp when, you know, they met when they were young. And in fact, my mother's current boyfriend and her met at sleepaway camp when they were young and they like reconnected. So sleep camp and sleepaway camp is like a really, really big part of my world. So I was really looking forward to sleepaway camp. And when I was diagnosed, I just, the thought of going to a sleepaway camp seemed, you know, that that would never happen. It seemed really difficult. We learned about these diabetes camps and it was the best thing that I could have ever done. Just meeting other kids who had type one and realizing that I wasn't alone. Cause when I was first diagnosed, it was really hard. It, it was, I remember keeping it a secret at school. Like I didn't tell anybody in school. Like they knew I had been in the hospital. I remember somebody coming up to me and whispering like, do you have diabetes? And I was like, shh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, so camp was great, especially because there was no Facebook or social media or internet or like any way to connect with other people who had this. Yeah. And I went back to that camp the next year. And then when I was in college, I, um, I worked at a sleepaway camp for kids with diabetes. And then after college, I just felt like I really needed the support. And so there, there weren't any groups for, again, like not really, you know, social media wasn't really a thing. And, um, all the groups that I found were for type 2 diabetics. So um, I just started one. I put out flyers in doctor's offices. I sent emails to people I knew. And somehow it, it worked, yeah. Can you describe what it was like going to camp as an 11-year-old, like not knowing anyone with type 1, I imagine, before, and yeah. then just surrounded by kids your age? Yeah, it was the best. <laughs> Can you still like visualize what I, that was like? Yeah, I well, I have to say that like I really thrive at camp. Um, <laughs> there are many things about camp that what is it about are camp really good that? for me. There's like the sports and athletics part of it, which I really, I really enjoyed. There's the social aspect of it, which I also really enjoyed. Then there's the whole like you know camp, like you put on plays and you sing songs and there's dancing and there's theater, and I really liked all of that of it too you know camp is where you go and like you have your first boyfriend and you like kiss your first boy and so you know all of that just make makes camp in general really special camp is also actually when I first went to sleepaway camp I learned all these tricks from kids who had been going there much longer than I had been much longer probably like a year or two but it seemed like much longer um we would talk about like ways this is horrible to like purposely make yourself go low so they would be they told me yes (laughs) like so you do jumping jacks really really fast for a minute and then hold your breath for 30 seconds <laughs> does that work i um i don't know okay, <laughs> i'll try it sometime and then there were like scandals where um, people were like purposely taking too much insulin because they wanted to go it was like this whole thing wow. yeah it was uh, but so like you learn the bad things and the good things and sometimes there were counselors who would sneak us candy bar i mean it was like 
it was kids are devious yeah yeah but it was great it was great to like meet other people and it felt good to feel normal again because everybody was like me so I you know whereas in school I was the one who was different and at camp like we were all different so we were all just normal that was the status quo yeah so you said you liked athletics yes what was that like as a kid with type one was it hard to manage Growing up, I went to dancing school and I swam. Those were like my two main things that I did. And I was like a cheerleader twirler in high school. And I think that back then, I know I'm making it sound like the dark ages, but like we didn't have that much technology. And I think that like when I was first diagnosed, like in junior high school, I know for a fact I did not bring a meter with me to school. Um, And high school, I think I brought a meter with me to school, but I really can't even remember. There are other memories that stand out so much more about swimming and about dancing and about the athletics that I did that like the diabetes is almost just, it it, it was just part of what it was, I guess. I remember eating like a, you know, a New York City knish like before every swim practice. And I'm sure my blood sugar was like 500 when I got in the water. What's a knish? (laughs) Oh my God. It's like a big potato. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. How many carbs in a knish? <laughs> Probably like a hundred at least. You <laughs> so would just show up to like swim practice and just like eat I was like, I, potato. I was like, I need to eat before swim practice. You just eat a potato <laughs> and, and jump would, in the pool. I would eat like a big knish and <laughs> go and jump in the pool. Yeah. So you leave college and you're like, I need to recreate that camp energy again. Is that what the feeling was? Uh, what were you looking for in a... Young adults. I was looking for a community. I was looking for people who understood. I feel like in college, especially, I was really um, angry about having this disease. And I don't think I realized that until later. Um, But I felt like I always had so much more to think about and worry about and so much more responsibility than any of my friends. And I felt like everybody else could like party and get drunk and like do things more spontaneously than I could. And Mm. I think that I was really resentful of that. And I was holding in a lot of anger. And I just felt like I wanted maybe I was trying to recreate sort of that camp atmosphere where I felt like I was normal. How did that anger in college manifest itself? Oh, just a lot of (laughs) self-hatred. Did your control suffer all? Because it seems like if if you were preventing yourself from like getting drunk and partying too hard, like on some level, you're like, I still need to be responsible. I don't, I think in retrospect, I think that I I was very responsible. I've always just been a very responsible person. Like I was never going to do anything crazy. Mm But I think that there was a lot of frustration in terms of like, I felt like I was really being careful and taking care of myself. And maybe I wasn't. I was always in pretty good control, but I felt like I could always be better and do more. But I feel that way about everything. Like I could always do more and be better, you know, in life. And so I think the anger and resentment probably manifested itself more like psychologically and emotionally than in how I actually cared for my diabetes. So what did your support group look like? I think I tried to arrange things once a month and like um, I would try to get speakers. So like sometimes like I had like nutritionists come and talk or sometimes we would just like go bowling um, or just meet for dinner or drinks. How many of you were there? There were maybe like 30 to 40 people. I mean, not all the people came to every every meeting, but I met a lot of great people that way. And I know that you can relate to that because you created 
a group of sorts. Type one run. Yes. Yeah. Similarly, like trying to find that community, community of people mm-hmm. who are you can talk to about type one and also have similar interests. With type one run, it was more of a running is really hard with type one. And how do we figure this out? And just kind of being there with each other, you know, learning from each other more than necessarily having a safety net, but you kind of always felt like you had a safety net. Like there was always another gel in someone's pocket in case you went through all of yours. Right. And you don't have to explain if you're like, oh, I'm stopping. I have to check my blood sugar. I think that was that was a big part of it, actually. You didn't want to feel like you were holding back anyone else. Right. Right. And if so, if you have to stop whether to check your blood sugar or because you're low and like, okay, I have to walk for five minutes while I eat this gel and get my blood sugar, you know, up enough that I can feel my feet again, you're kind of ruining every everyone else's run. And if you're with a bunch of people with type one, like that becomes less important. Yeah. It's just like get you through it. Well, it's funny because I, I never thought about this before, but I think that one of the things that appealed to me about type one run was that I, I don't love running and you hate I hate running. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know, I'll run. Like I don't like sometimes I enjoy it, but most of the time I don't. But um but uh so that being said, I felt like if I was gonna join any kind of running group, mm-hmm. I would join a running group with people who have diabetes because you would be much more understanding about my running ability in general. <laughs> But also the diabetes aspect. Yeah. Can I talk about diabetes training camp? Because that really, when we're talking about like running and um, the bike riding, there was something that you just said about like knowing that you're around people who. That safety net? Yeah, that safety net. And so I had read about this camp called diabetes training camp that is essentially a sports camp for people with diabetes. And it sounded amazing to me. It was. Um, I felt like there was a lot of information out there about taking care of your diabetes and uh, how to do that and a lot of information about like how to train and exercise and and all that kind of stuff. As a normal person. As a normal person, but very, very, very little information about how to combine the two. And even there were a few books that I had about it and even talking to doctors, they didn't really seem to know a lot. And I really felt like I was like so hungry for information on the nitty gritty of how to do all of that, how to make all of these intricate pieces and details work. And I couldn't find that anywhere. And even now, I mean, you know, there are Facebook groups like Type 1 Diabetic Athletes and uh, I mean, so many groups and online resources, but there was there was nothing then. And so I read about Diabetes Training Camp it went away for for a while, but I signed up for a newsletter and I got this email in 2012 saying, we're back in 2012. And so I went to diabetes training camp in 2012, 13 and 14, and it completely changed my life. How long is it? Is it a week? So it's, it's a one week long camp. It's run by a doctor named Dr. Matt Corcoran, who's one of the most empathetic, caring, understanding humans and doctors. It's almost like a one-to-one ratio of staff to campers. And you know, you have not only Matt as the, the medical lead, but you have literally, you know, coaches who have coached Olympic athletes. You have nutrition experts. You have one of my good friends is the CDE and a nutritionist. 
and a type one diabetic and has competed in multiple Ironmans. So, I mean, she understands diabetes from so many different perspectives and every single person there has expertise like that. So, you know, we would have lectures and we would run. And so, you know, you're in swim and bike and do all these other kinds of exercises. And so it's not just like going to your doctor for an appointment for an hour and trying to remember all the things that you want to talk about. It's you're in the moment, you're doing it and you're like, okay, but this is what I'm talking about. Like every time I, I run, I set my basil to this and I, you know, and so you can actually test things out during the week and see what works and, you know, that sort of thing. And just the camaraderie and the community and the people from that camp have become some of my best friends. And it it was really life-changing. And it was the first time that I felt like I wasn't just athletic. I felt like, okay, I am an athlete. I can do this. I, I felt like I had, I was given um, not a new identity, but a new part of my identity. So two years ago, yes. you went to the Philippines. Yes. What do you look forward most to doing? I went to this island called Coron that is known for scuba diving, which I was very excited about. Um, the Philippines is known to have some of the best scuba diving in the world. So this is where like the red flags go up and people pause the podcast and they, they yell at and they say, you can't scuba dive, you have diabetes. Right. So, so why, why is that? Okay. So a little backstory here. PADI, P-A-D-I, which is the organization that oversees scuba diving, doesn't let you dive, supposedly, if you have type 1 diabetes. Because essentially what I've, from what I've been told, it's because it's too much of a liability for them if you're underwater and on a deep dive and something goes wrong, your blood sugar goes low, your blood sugar goes high. Now, to be fair, PADI also essentially, without a doctor's note, will not let you dive if you take any kind of medication outside of birth control pills. Supposedly, you need a doctor's note to be able to dive. Like, they're very strict about that. Because I'm imagining, like, you go down, you're swimming around, you know, maybe you had too much insulin on board, you didn't do a temp basal, whatever. Um, You go low. And for people who don't know how scuba diving works... You can't just swim up to the surface, right? Right. You're stuck. Yeah. You have to slowly come up. Otherwise, what? The nitrogen in your... You can get poisoned by nitrogen and get the bends and have severe, you know, spinal deformities or die or brain damage or... Yeah. Yeah. So... And you can't just take your mask off and eat a gel (laughs) either, I guess. No. (laughs) And I guess if you're high, like that would be less of an issue, but... Still an issue. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you well, want to be could, like 500 Right, you could underwater. go into a diabetic coma from being high, yeah, right? Yeah, and who knows like what being underwater, under that pressure, and your blood sugar being that high right. would do. Like, right, lots yeah. of variables here that we don't of know, variables. lots of unknowns. Yeah, But that doesn't deter you? <laughs> no, Have so, you scuba dived before? So yeah, let me back up. So um, I, years ago in 2000, I'm aging myself now, but right after I graduated college, I was in Australia and I went to go scuba diving for the first time there. And I filled out the form. It was just a fun dive. We weren't getting certified. It was the Great Barrier Reef. And I checked, yeah, I'm a diabetic, whatever. (laughs) I was like, I'm also a great swimmer. So, you know, whatever. Um, And they were like, you can't go scuba diving. And I was so livid. I mean, I was 
I was like, what do you mean? I'm a great swimmer. I'm a lifeguard. I'm, yeah. You know, and then when I got back to the U.S., I did this research and I found this guy, Steve Prosterman. Steve Prosterman used to run a camp, another camp <laughs> for people with diabetes to certify them in to get certified in scuba diving and diving. And he has type one diabetes. And supposedly he was the only person with type one diabetes who Patty allowed to certify other people with diabetes. And so he ran a camp on St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. So immediately, like I found this guy, I reached out to him. I finally went to him. I went to St. Thomas and got certified in scuba diving in 2007. So I was certified in scuba diving, but the only time I had, that was the only time I had ever been scuba diving 2007. Cut to 2016 in the Philippines when I wanted to go scuba diving again. And I was very nervous about whether or not I should tell them if I had diabetes. Even though I was certified, I was like, they know that I'm certified, but if I tell them I have diabetes, are they going to not let me go? You know? Yeah. So I had met other people over the years who just told me that they lied on the forms that they filled out. And so um, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to lie. Like, I'll be fine. I'm in very good control. I'm not going to say I don't have diabetes, but I'm not going to say that I do. So I signed up to scuba dive. And in order to hide my diabetes even more, I decided that I would go on shots for the day and disconnect from my pump. And so the morning of the scuba dive, I took an injection of Lantus. But like, I don't know, 15 minutes later, when I was getting coffee, I started shaking severely. Do you have a continuous glucose monitor this time? No. I know I had one. I don't know if I was using it. Okay. But that's a good question. So I start shaking and I'm like drinking coffee and I'm just like scooping spoonfuls of sugar into my coffee. And I'm like, that's not. And then I start drinking the coffee, but it's too hot and I couldn't get the shit. Like I clearly was not thinking straight. So I go back to my room and I test my blood sugar and I'm like, I don't understand. All I did was take an injection of Lantus. Like, how did I, how am I going low? What were you at? Do you remember? I must have been, I was like in like in the fifties and then I checked again. I was like in the forties. Yeah. So I think that I was very like anxious about going on shots for the day. And so instead of taking a shot of Lantus, I took a shot of Umalog and my blood sugar dropped severely. Um, yeah, 15 units of Humalog is yeah, a lot of Humalog. Yeah. So I started eating and I was feeling better. And I still wasn't 100% convinced that I had taken Umalog instead of Lantus. So I didn't want to take another shot of Lantus just in case I had actually really taken Lantus and I had gone low for some other reason. So now, like, because this incident happened, I had to check my blood sugar even more than I would normally when I'm trying to hide the fact that I have diabetes. And so I'm like, I have my hand like in my bag on the boat, like checking my blood sugar. And I have my pump like connected and kind of tucking it under my bathing suit and then like disconnecting. It was like, it was like a little dance, right? And so I went, I ended up going on three dives. And after the first dive, I came out of the water and my blood sugar was perfect. And I was like, great, I got this. This, I'm, I'm good. I, I figured it out. And, and it was also like amazing scuba diving. I, we were diving like through a Japanese 
ship from World War II and there was like a bomb that had gone off in it and you like could swim through the bomb and we saw the portholes and like it was just incredible. It, like it was mind-blowing and unbelievable. And I went on three dives total. I managed to hide my diabetes the whole time. And on the way back to shore, you know, and we're sitting on the roof of the boat and I'm drinking a beer. I don't even drink beer, but I just felt like, you know, the sun was shining. We were on the ocean. We were in this boat. I, I was really congratulating myself on, you know, what a crazy day it had been. And I was, I felt like, oh, you, you did such a good job, Georgie, with, you know, the diabetes. And, and just even though the day started off bad, you, you figured it out and like, good job, you know, um, until <laughs> later that night, um, I, <laughs> um, I wasn't feeling that great. And uh, I was back at my hotel and I was just really looking forward to like eating a nice meal and getting a good night's sleep. And I had to go to the bathroom a lot and my stomach hurt and my head hurt. And I was in the hotel lobby and I decided like, oh, maybe I have the bends. Maybe I have nitrogen poisoning. Like I don't feel well. And I went up and these hotels are not like big fancy hotels with big lobbies. It's like this tiny little like, you know, hotel with like this straw roof. And, you know, I, I go up to the woman sitting at the front desk and I'm like, can you call a doctor? I don't feel well. And as I said that, I passed out in the lobby. Had your blood sugar been fine up until My point? blood sugar had been fine. Okay. But... You know, I didn't, you never know. You never yeah. know. This is a horrible story, actually. <laughs> Long story short, I passed out not, it wasn't diabetes related. It was, I was really dehydrated from having been in the ocean all day and in the sun. And I don't think I drank enough water. And I, and maybe it was somewhat blood sugar related. I don't know, but I think that it was more. And then, you know, I had these stomach issues and I was in the bathroom a lot. And so I think I was severely dehydrated. And the only thing that I will say about that is try to avoid going to a hospital on an island in the Philippines because it was not fun. There was no, gosh, there was no drinking water. There was no light in the bathroom. There was no toilet paper. There was no phone. There were stray cats walking around. Um, they didn't really have any medicine anyway. So it was not a great experience. What was it like managing type one in that hospital? Like, did they know anything? So the funny thing is, because I had wanted to hide the diabetes from the dive shop, I, I told the hospital that I had diabetes. I'm not a complete idiot. Like, I wanted them to know, you know, so that they, you know, could help me if yeah. need be. But... Apparently, if something happens to you on in on this island when you're diving, it's the responsibility of the dive shop to help somewhat. But I didn't want to tell them what dive shop I went to because I didn't want the dive shop to know that I had to, why I care about this fucking dive shop in the Philippines. <laughs> you didn't want them to get no. in trouble <laughs> I mean, because like, you lied to them <laughs> right. or didn't lie but didn't tell them the truth. Something. Yeah, it was it was really messy. 
Um, and I was very happy. Next day, somebody from the dive shop did come by. He was my dive master. He was actually a Belgian guy who was super nice. And he was like, you don't have the bends. <laughs> he was like, I can assure you, you don't have the bends. I think you're just dehydrated. He said, Here's some, I brought you some Gatorade. Drink some Gatorade. And of course, I didn't drink it because it had too much sugar in it. <laughs> so I just went and bought myself some Pedialyte. No, like, oh, I, I did not tell that. him I've... that. Nope. <laughs> nope. Went and took care of myself. Got some Pedialyte and I get the fuck off that they island. had Pedialyte on the island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the pharmacy. Okay. Does that make you want to go scuba diving, Craig? It actually does make me want to go scuba diving. <laughs> scuba diving so fun. Well, because it makes me want to go scuba diving because diabetes wasn't an issue. Right. Right. Like that wasn't the thing that, you know, screwed you up. Do you think that's always been the case with you? Like, I'm not going to let diabetes say no. Yeah. I think that that's part of my personality in general. Like, I don't know who I would be without diabetes. You know, it's not, it's not who I am, but it's certainly part of who I am. And I think that, because of that, it like makes me step up to challenges. But I also think that there are certain things that I still probably don't do or wouldn't do because I have diabetes. I'm inspired by people who do things that maybe I thought I couldn't do. And so I look at other people, you know, like if you are running a marathon or doing an Olympic triathlon and like I, I see you do that or I see other people do things that you know, maybe I previously thought I couldn't do or wouldn't think about doing because of diabetes. Like, it's inspiring to see other people do that. When you were a kid, do you remember ever thinking, like, there's things I can't do? I don't think so. I think that when I was first diagnosed, you kind of don't know what you don't know, right? So, mm. like, I didn't know what an impact it would have on my life at the time. What impact do you think it has had on your life? Well, I think that it's one of the single biggest things that has shaped me into the person that I am. And it's hard to separate it from other things in my life. It's hard to separate it from how I am who I am because I grew up in Brooklyn or because I had an older brother or, you know, because I went to the schools that I went to, like, you know, everything has an influence on, on who you become. I think that it made me feel a lot more responsibility at an earlier age and be just more aware of my health, certainly. I think that what, what we don't do as diabetics, or at least I don't do, is give ourselves credit for all the work that goes into this. And it's fucking hard. Like, the shit is hard, you know? Even though, I mean, some days it's not. Some days it's fine. I don't even think about it. But, like, it becomes so ingrained in your everyday life and schedule that, like, you don't even realize how hard it is. And I just think that we, like, all need to give ourselves credit for that. You think that just the work becomes, like, the white noise in the background? Totally. Like, we, we just tune it out because we're just so used yeah. to just check your blood sugar yeah. Count your carbs. Yeah. And we don't really realize that other people aren't. Yeah. They don't look at a bowl of pasta and think, totally. oh, God, it's, this it is going to Yeah. It, it's always funny to me when, like, I have friends who start, like, you know, watching what they eat or counting calories. And I'm like, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> like, no, I get it. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah. I get it. I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, no, it's hard. And I think we deserve, I, I'm not saying other people need to tell us what a good job we do, but I think it's important that we remind ourselves that it's hard and that we give ourselves credit for it. If you are listening to this and it's before November 8th, 2018, Diabetes Training Camp is having a fundraiser at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City. Brett Michaels of Poison, who also has type 1 diabetes, is going to be performing from Poison and VH1's Rock of Love. If you want to go, you could buy tickets on Diabetes Training Camp's website. It's super fun, and you should check out Diabetes Training Camp anyway. Beta Cells produced, recorded, and edited by me, Craig Steubing, and our theme music is by Purple Glitter. Be sure to subscribe to Beta Cell wherever you listen to podcasts to get new episodes delivered automatically to you. I'm Craig Steubing, and this is Beta Cell. Beta Cell.